And welcome to the Death and Betrayal podcast. Uh, first episode, season four. Mm-hmm. But um, later, uh, with me on deck today, though, is uh, Craig, as per usual. Craig, mm-hmm. how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Pretty good, because uh, we got one of our favorite guests, mm-hmm. uh, longtime friend of the show, Dan Oil Spill Painting, from the How Are You Doing podcast. How uh, are you doing, y'all? Yeah, fucking dynamite. I'm full Fantastic. <laughs> I'm excited uh, you're on, Dan. I told you that when we were chatting there. I was like, fuck yeah, we're having Dan back on again. <laughs> it's been a minute. It, has it really been. has. And yeah, yeah, I was like, you know what? You, you guys are just not hitting me up anymore, you know? Like, come on now. I've been I've been wanting to get back on for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. no, but it, in reality, fair, no. I don't plan well enough. Um <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm just giving y'all some gripe. I mean, you guys wanted me on earlier, but I just went through a move recently, yeah. and uh, so you know, because of all that, just been real busy with like personal life and stuff, as well as work. Yeah. And so, uh, it really, it's been me. I'm the one who's like dropping the ball, not y'all. Team well, effort. team effort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's put the blame here, fifty-fifty. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But uh, yeah, so. Um, you know, typical shipping manifest for uh, one of our gong shows here. <laughs> um, you know, we're, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we've been working on. Um, maybe a spot of what's new, but I don't know. I haven't really been keeping up. Um, I know that we saw the uh, Warhammer preview and they showed like the Typhon Siege tank or the Cerberus or something. Yeah. Um, I'm not really much of a treadhead, so I didn't like pay attention. I was more still just like creaming my jeans over the. Uh, uh, new Warcry box pet. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, with like Japanese samurai vampires, and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> you had my intention, but now you have my intent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't play 40k anymore, but uh, those world eaters. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, the little. I mean, you the paint world those a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of work to heresyify those. Maybe 3D nope. print some sarin. Pattern uh, helms. I plan Slap on some Mark V helmets on there, and you're good to go. I plan yeah. on uh, working them into my World Eaters army eventually, because mm-hmm. those are some sexy models. And that Demon Angron. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Someone got a free one because they stole Caleb Wissenbach's like friggin' miniature case <laughs> with that Angron and Horus Ascended in it. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, just like right from the GW booth, just snapped it up. Brutal. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty poor sportsmanship. Not cool, whoever did that. Not cool. No, not cool. But uh, and if you're if you're a kill team person, like the Adeptus Arbides, are gonna get their Arbites. their return to the skate stage? No, we've been over this because you don't call them astarts. <laughs> yes, you do. Like, They're astarts. <laughs> like, they're not like Adeptus Astartes. They're like, no. so it's Arbides. Um, just like it's not Custodes, it's Custodes. Custodes. Or else, you know, yeah, it's better, space like, Latin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's no rules to this. Come on now. No, there's it's, what, it's whatever GW makes it. Yeah. Yeah, and GW officially said that it was Arbides, not Arbites. They said it. They were right there we were both there i i know we were there and i told you i looked you right in the face and said i'm not calling them that 
I said you were. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those those uh, those got me. Uh, those got me right uh, right hard for sure. Uh, I was like, oh, I got to get into kill team. Yeah. Just because yeah. um, I've always had a thing for the RPTs. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that that's for you. That's for you. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so that was I was as soon as I saw that I was jacked, hundred percent jacked for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, after we talk about what we've been going on, uh, we'll talk a little bit about LVO, which was uh, as of time of recording this last weekend. Yeah, one uh, week ago. Hmm. Um, so you know, okay, start to the year, I guess. But uh, Craig, why don't we uh, why don't we start with you? Have you been doing any hobbying uh, lately? Have you just been jacked up since you got back? Oh, I got back. Uh, I had to organize my my hobby area. It was uh, it was a gong show down here. Um, so I I did take the time on one of the days I was back to start cleaning it up, getting things organized. I packed up. And I, it pains me to say this. I packed up my Dark Angels. Whoa. They're not going to get... Let me rephrase that. That version of them is not going to get any playtime anytime soon. Um, just because it was a mix mismatch of a lot of things and nothing was really cohesive or coherent. Um, mm. I cleared that up. I packed away a bunch of my old Sons of Horror stuff as well. The stuff I painted, you know, five, six years ago. Um, just start trying to get myself organized, make some more room. And uh, and then started list building like a motherfucker. And then Are I found... Are you ready for a Nepticon? Uh, that is still up in the air. Um, <laughs> I am... I mean, I should be able to go, but it's up to my wife. Um, and right now I'm not going to ask her because <laughs> right now might not be the best time. <laughs> I just came back from one event. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a hard sell. That's a hard sell. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and she's having a bit of a rough go right now. So yeah. right now I'm going to be supportive husband. Yeah. That's my role right now. Not bye. I'm leaving again. <laughs> you know, well, well, you're going through a very hard, you're going through a very hard time right now, but but I'm going to Chicago. But I want to hear, I want to hear all about it when I get back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have been list building. Box one on the counter. I have been list building. Um, Dark Angels. <laughs> I know I just packed them away. You're uh, packing them away, and then you're building. Oh man, list build again. Well, here's here's the thing. Again, a lot. A lot of a lot. Well, that's just. It. I still. I need at least one loyalist force. One. The, the no, I feel you on that. The night lords are pretty yeah. cool, though. Um, and so I started. I started list building. Uh, I didn't have the Libra Astartes, um, book. I only had the. I only bought the uh, Libra Heretica because that's. I was focusing on the Emperor's children, and I just kind of looked into looked into the way the Dark Angels are playing now and was like, holy crap, I can make a pretty good list with this. Mm -hmm. And I already have a bunch of stuff that I haven't painted. I have like um, the Knights. Um, I have a bunch of bikes that are, or jet bikes that aren't painted. I have uh, the, 
the plasma gun guys. I can't forget their name right now. Um, you know, I, interrupters. Thank you. Uh, I have a land raider or Spartan sitting around waiting for them. Um, so I, ha I have a fair amount of the stuff I need. I only really need 30 tactical Marines, a land raider and 10 terminators. And it's done. So, yeah, not bad. Uh, but standard terminators or synovium? Uh, I want to do with I want to go with Tartarus terminators. I, I, I plan on doing the Deathwing, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I I I like the Tartarus terminators a lot better than the Cataphracta. I like the way they look. I think they're cooler. Yeah, they don't have the best save, but they're cheaper. No, they and, look sleek. And they just they look, look good. They they're just yeah. they're just an awesome looking model, and I thought. My whole plan was to do uh, two 15-man tactical squads. Uh, spoiler squads, I'm here to phrase that. Alex, thank mm -hmm. you for that suggestion. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, two five-man uh, Tartarus Terminator squads to back up those 15-man tactical squads while everything else in my list goes and messes up the army, my opponent's army. So, Oh, and I need Kratos, too. I haven't bought a Kratos yet, and I think I want to buy a Kratos, just because it's a cool-looking tank. I actually got to see one in person. Uh, who had one? Uh, someone who had it? I forget now. Oh, I don't know. There was a couple know. of them that had... There was a couple of Kratoses. Um, oh, yeah, uh, there had to be at least two. Alex Beninsky. Alex oh, Bud. okay. Yeah, he had his yeah. one for his Emperor's Children. Actually, I think both oh. of the Emperor's Children on that table had uh, Kratos's. Oh, yeah, you might be right. I might have just seen it as a sick run when I was walking by, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a bigger... Yeah, yeah, it looks like a bigger one. So, but yeah, so that's that's what I've been that's what I've been working on. Uh, how about... Yes. How about you guys? Uh, well, which one do you want to hear from next? Uh... Well, let's go with guess, yeah. Let's let's do Dan. Yeah. All right. It's only play. So <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> so let's see. Um, well, outside of uh, commissions that I've been working on, I just got done with a carriage run overlords commission. It was like a whole army of them for Age of Sigmar. Mm -hmm. um, so a bunch of those um, blimp looking things and a bunch of infantry as well. Um, but outside of that. Um, as far as personal stuff that I've been working on, I'm actually gearing up for Adepticon uh, because uh, myself and, and, and Josh, uh, my, my co-host at the Iterators Podcast, we're actually going to be going to Adepticon this, or this upcoming in, what, March? March. In a couple months? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to be going, we're going to be in the um, the tag team event as well as the Zomartalis event. And so me and him have been furiously just list building figuring out what exactly you know we wanted to bring bringing our our concepts together as far as what um the 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 reason why um especially more specifically why our tag team for our tag team event wh why is it that his character and my character are you know in in this thing together mm -hmm. right what are they doing together why are they going about you know in this engagement um, they're his background, my background, and we're pulling from characters that we've been playing for a while. Not unique characters, yeah, like um, Abaddon or anyone like that. Characters that we've designed, uh, you know, they're just centurions, nothing crazy. So 
on paper they're just centurions but in our head canon they're characters that we developed over the course of years of mm -hmm. play and they've actually developed their own little backstory and so um we're really excited to to bring those characters out onto the tabletop uh at adepticon and really just have a lot of fun with it so but other than that it's just been you know that and list building and, and things of that nature so mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome. And then a lot of painting, lots of painting, making sure that all the models that I, cause I'm, you know, working on some new models that I want to bring out to the, uh, to Adepticon. I'm, I'm working on, you know, just some stuff that, that, um, I'm just, you know, working on painting and, you know, it's giving me an opportunity to try out new stuff, bring out new models, try things out and, and see what I like and, and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to bring that vision uh, to life um, on the tabletop because I mean it, the one big thing is I don't really want to run with what I usually typically run all the time um, mm -hmm. just because it's giving me an it, in a it, this is kind of giving me an excuse to branch out and, and try something new try something different and really get some models that have been on my backlog just painted up so mm -hmm. um, I'm using that as a personal motivator so yeah that's awesome oh yeah any uh, sneak peeks? Yeah. Uh, okay, actually, so I kind of wanted to run this by y'all and uh, see, as far as my list goes, and um, I wanted to see what y'all thought of it and what I should do to it. So I, I don't know if y'all want to hear the, the, the backlog of the story behind what's going on, and uh, maybe I'll spare you those details for now no we, um, no, we want to hear it. <laughs> you, yeah. oh you want to hear it okay dope yeah. <laughs> it's a bit on the oh, okay let me let me try um taking this down a notch okay um or let me notes. see yeah <laughs> let me let me give you the cliff notes version of of who these guys are so um i have a um a my delegatus he's the primary i guess uh warlord if you want to call him that for my force he's my my captain um, and so his big thing is that, or his name's uh, uh, Terrigan, Neriglisar Terrigan. And so, and I, I think I talked about him in, in my podcast, in the podcast that Josh and I talk, um, that we host. Yeah. And the big thing about him is that he's kind of a, uh, he's cold calculated. He's, a, he's craven. He, he's not really the most, um, like, I want to go up there and just kind of punch your face in sort of guy. Mm -hmm. He's more just. He's he's in the he's almost in the background just trying to you know manipulate uh, situations and and try to control things in the way that he's fit. So, um, I like the examples or the ideas that kind of uh, when I was the amalgamation of him, you know, and, and the backgrounds and or the the what's the word I'm looking for, the the influences that I got from making him was. Kind of a bit of like Littlefinger mixed with uh, uh, Lucius Malfoy, um, a, you know, sort of kind of someone who's conniving. They're always thinking they they won't they don't really care if they throw one of their own guys under the bus. Mm -hmm. um, they're very prideful, but not really like Marshall Prowers prideful. They're just, but but no less high on themselves. Mm hmm exactly egotistical. yeah extremely egotistical but also very very wary of others around them even their own allies in order to you know get what they want done and so with uh tirigan uh one big thing of his is that he's actually not a um 
he's not a, a a true son, as in he doesn't have like Horus's features. Yeah. And so you know, within the Sons of Horus, that's a very big um, what's the word I'm looking for? That's a that's kind of a a a nepotism type trait that is kind of passed down with the Sons of Horus. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and they and they make a lot of decisions kind of based off of oh oh is he a true son? Ah, well he's not really a true son. So really how you know, how high should we even rank this guy in the first place? There's a lot of this, you know, things that don't really make sense from a merit-based... They're not making merit-based decisions, mm-hmm. especially as the heresy moves on. And so this has kind of been a capstone and something that he's very much aware of um, while he's, um, you know, as far as my, my head canon for this Delegatus, this Centurion... Um, and then the other thing is that he's got a chieftain that's below him, um, and you know he's Amel Urbera. And again, I I talked to, uh, about him in one of our episodes, much more in depth yeah. uh, with Urbera. We actually he was the one in episode our fourth episode. We created uh, you know a character from scratch sort of thing, mm-hmm. and this is that was Amel. But in any case, with Urbera, he's a he's a chieftain, or he was I should say a chieftain, and he was he's the exact opposite of him he was someone who had the rally of the troops he was someone who was um kind of a rabble razzle or very charismatic he's a true son um and again and very much um put a a huge emphasis on that martial prowess uh, aspect of things however he wasn't really the most tactically minded of individuals and so there was that dichotomy between the Delegatus and the, or between Tyrigan, the Delegatus, or the captain, if you want to call him that, right? And the chieftain is kind of his uh, lieutenant, if you want to, like, as far as, like, ranking structure. You know, the guy just below him, that chieftain mm-hmm. in Chieftain Urbera. And there's always that sense of jealousy be- that Tyrigan might had towards Urbera. Now, one in one event, and I'll spare you all the details, Urbera actually gets killed, uh, or in the... Um, he gets killed in in a uh, in an engagement. We had this what, month or month long campaign a few years back. He's playing. Uh, I, I'm playing him. It's the last game of the campaign. He's running alongside of a uh, of a nuclear uh, silo. The nuclear silo goes off, and he him and the squad he's in just it's absolutely wiped. And this is after repeatedly uh, asking for support from um, from my captain, the mm. the delegatus. Now the delegatus. This is in 1.0. Dele- the Delegato was, was, was in reserve, right? And he was waiting to jump down onto the tabletop. But for whatever reason, I kept on rolling a one, rolling a one, rolling a one, rolling a one. And then, you know, back then it was one re-roll, you know, if you get a one. Yeah. And I was just getting super unlucky with my reserve rolls, specifically with my Delegatus. And so that's what was going on meta-wise. But... Gameplay-wise, or I should say, not gameplay. Uh, in universe, theater of the mind element, it's you know the chieftain's calling. You know he's like, hey, we need support. Hey, you know where you where are you? Why are you not coming in with your support? Right? And the the uh, um, the the delegatus goes, nah, like I'm gonna let you die down there. You know, <laughs> like screw you, like screw you. You've you've basically you've been that annoying. Uh, you know, and you're towards me not annoying what's a better way you've been a, a thorn in my side for this long you're basically getting the the rally of the troops behind you all the troops cheer your name not my name yeah i'm gonna let you die out there i'm gonna leave you out to dry mm-hmm. and 
as a result of that, the reserves never came in. I actually didn't. There's a point where I, when we kind of came up with the guy I was playing against, we kind of came up with that narrative. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to roll for my reserve roles anymore because I don't think the Delegatus would want to come down there anyway to help him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so narrative, you know, what, X to on a term, you know, um, you know, your, your reserves auto come on. I was like, nah, he's not coming on because he's actually saying, screw you. You yeah. know, and I think that makes a little bit more narrative sense to my detriment as far as gameplay wise. But I thought that it told a better narrative. And so I went that route. In any case, my chieftain, he ends up getting uh, he, he takes a nuke to the face and dies. Right. Um, so it was with some of the special rules that we we're playing um, on the, the tabletop that we we're playing on. As a result of that, he dies. And so we wrote this kind of epilogue, um, this after action report about what happened to you know what was going on and what we decided it was was that the the delegatus the captain he comes down to because i i did end up winning the game right and mm. so he came down after the engagement or i should say he didn't even come down he had his got his men come down and just survey and you know pick up what was left remaining gear and blah blah and and you know do their your consolidation on the objective and as they're doing that they they notice that here's chieftain amel urbro's body and he's barely alive right Mm -hmm. this guy's barely freaking alive like basically he's there with his dying breath sort of thing right and so what we thought was really interesting um about that is we decided let's let's kind of talk about like that and so one thing that we I, in fact, we even wrote up a little uh, little excerpt on that. If you guys don't mind if I say it, it's only like a couple. Go All right, it. so yeah, go ahead. The, it's the, the Battle of Spaceport Angkor. That was the event, right? So the title is the failed the failed Observer Reborn. So the reactor blast visible from the reactor blast was visible from orbit. It was over. The thorn in Neregulisar Tirigan's side was finally no more. He would almost miss the competition. Almost, of course. His attempted observer, Amel Urbera, would prove to immediately bo- be more aggravating in death than in life. Sir, we have confirmed vitals. Captain Urbera still lives. Should we send a stormbird to retrieve him? One of his lieutenants spoke. His hushed tone indicated that he expected the offer to be refused. The cunning lieutenant was aware of, the dico- of their dichotomy. Neriglisar thought it would ha- it would have to look- he would have to look into this officer as well. Now presented with a choice, Neriglisar paused and raised his hand to his chin. The bastard can't even die properly, he <laughs> thought to himself. It seemed a clear choice at first, but then the fact that he had to make... Uh, no. it, seemed clear, it seemed a clear choice at first, but the, the fact that he had to make it, all, make it at all annoyed the Sons of Horse Warlord. However... It irritated him until he hatched a cruel plan to exploit the situation. If he could inter Urbera in a dreadnought, he could make use of, this ra- of his rabble-rousing talents on the battlefield and still control him off of it, removing him as a political threat. He, then, he, looked, up and lo- he looked up at the lieutenant to respond. Send it. Oh, and send one of my personal apothecaries to attend Captain Urbera. He will know just how important the captain is to our detachment, and that's that. So nice. So uh, that's kind of that epilogue on that. So how I play all that to say, 
the reason why I'm kind of saying all that is because um, Urbra is in, in turned into a Leviathan Dreadnought because Leviathan Dreadnoughts are much more painful. Um, you know, there's a the the was it radiation that occurs and everything, and mm. so there's it, it's not really, and it's kind of a short life as you live in that thing. Mm. So, um, and it, it's not a happy existence what's left in there. It's and so I kind of thought like this is kind of like almost like a prelude to what happens in 40k with the Hellbrutes and how they kind of utilize those. Um, so. I kind of got the lore from 40k of how Hellbrutes operate and wanted to kind of find something that works well with um with the 30k lore and and their dichotomy between the two uh between the two officers mm -hmm. and so yeah so I put them in a uh, in a dreadnought um or I should say in a leviathan um so having said that this is kind of my adepticon tag team list and i kind of wanted to run it by you guys and see what are your initial thoughts on it and if i should if i should change it if i should if it's i should tone it down if i should whatever i mean whatever whatever you guys think because again i'm still trying to um i want to come up with something that's fluffy that kind of hits the fluff that i want to the, the narrative that I want to tell for my boys on the tabletop will at the same time not be that guy. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, I hear yeah. you. Yeah, and yeah. we'll try our best because we one time had a guy uh, email us for like, hey, I want like a really themey third company elite. And mm -hmm. we did it, but holy shit, did it kick dick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like just by accident. Like he emailed back later and he was like, guys, I can't play this list. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, uh, well, I'm I'm the type of guy that airs more on the side of caution. So it's like, uh, you know what? Uh you know, I'd rather I'd rather go, hey, you know what, it didn't pack as much of a punch as you know, I, I kinda got tabled all the time. I'd much rather be on that side of things than hey, it was a little too strong you know what i'm trying yeah, to say yeah yeah so, yeah yeah and, and i guess i for any of your y'all's listeners i mean you know if you want to let me know hey what you it's too strong it's too this it's too whatever it is right let me know and i i would very very much appreciate yeah. that so yeah for sure uh, you can always so, hit him up either at oil spill painting uh on instagram or um, actually, I think it's oil spill, oil spill studio. Yeah, oil spill painting studio. Oh, okay, it's all. You could also, oh my god! <laughs> all the words. <laughs> if you type, if you type yeah. in oil spill and painting or whatever it is, I, I yeah. pop up. So yeah, yeah. or you can hit them yeah. up on, yeah. on at the iterators podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all and right. So, so the that list means. is a a delegatus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, and I don't know if they're going to do rights of war or not for the tag team event. So if that's yeah, the case, are. then I, I might. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you can still take rights of war. Like, um, it, the in essence, and sorry, I kind of jumped in. Oh, oh um, by all means. Like it's two fifteen hundred point forces, but they're standing mm -hmm. alone. So like you could, in theory, have six HQs on the table per three thousand points, like per side, because it's two it. full. Like you know, you, you've it's. It's like you've got four individual armies playing at the table, but each army is worth 1,500 points. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay. So um, so it's a Delegatus. The Delegatus is my, uh, has a right of war, uh, the, the Long March, and he's going to be my warlord. He's got a Charnable weapon, mm -hmm. a Bainstrike Bolter, and a Warhawk Jump Pack. Okay. Then we have um, the H... As 
far as the troops go, Which we have two. Uh, Spear, rapier, try the saber. The saber. Oh. The saber. I mean, he's he's uh, armed with a little tiny. Uh, um, I don't know, a little sword. So, because again, he's not really the most. Um, I don't want it like a a beat yeah. stick character because that's not no. who he is. You know, that's that's not how he is in the lore. I don't imagine him to be that guy. So, um, you know, he's more kind of on the cunning side. And actually, the, how I made his model, he's holding up uh, like a uh, uh, like a rope with a bunch of skulls on there, right? Kind of like in a, in a position of power. Mm -hmm. And he's staring at whoever it is, almost like an intimidation tactic sort of thing where I'm staring, you know, I'm holding these skulls in your face and I'm like staring at you. But his other hand actually is pommeling his sword, and it's and his sword is sheathed on his hip. He's actually not really fighting, so it's almost plays into that. You know, he wants to show off, like, "Hey, look at me!" Like, Be I'm pompous. so intimidating. Yeah, he's a pompous bull, but at the same time, like, he's not really doing the fighting. And the whole idea is that while he's doing that, one of his uh, one of the guys that he's running with, a, a, a reaver or something like that, is going to shank you in the side. It kind of mentality-wise, it's that old, um, it's that old Sons of Horus tactic, which was the um, uh, what was it? What was the one where at initiative one, you get to attack again if you attacked? Oh, uh, like merciless fighters or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, merciless yeah. fighters. Yeah, the old. So it's like the old merciless fighters where he's holding the skulls up but he's not really fighting it's the other guy that's going to shank you don't like he's going to be the guy that's staring at you and while your attention is on him it's that reaver that's going to shank you in the in you know in the gut you know yeah. shank you in the freaking kidney that's the one that you should be worried about because yeah 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 so. yeah no i get what you're saying <laughs> but yeah so anyway he just has a charitable saber nothing too nothing too yeah, crazy yeah. um but yeah like so mm-hmm and he's got that Warhawk jump pack. And then we have uh, two um, squads exactly the same for troops. There are five Tartaros Terminators. Um, they have the Kassoran Power Axes and um, uh, Kassoran Power Axes and uh, uh, Volkite Chargers. And the Sergeant has a Thunder Hammer and a Grenade Harness. Nice. Mm -hmm. Then we have uh, ten Reaver Aggressors. Um, and they're all... Uh, armed with just chain axes, just standard chain axes, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's that. And then the chieftain has a charnable weapon. I, again, probably the the saber, just because um, back in the day I, I fitted some guys with some Chthonian culling blades. Mm -hmm. Can't use it, you know. That's not a thing anymore. So it's like, okay, well, the culling blades now a charnable saber, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and wipe my hands and keep on going sort of thing and 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 an artificer armor and so that's the 10 reavers for my elite slot i have one apothecary he's got a kasorn power axe and a uh and a jump pack and then i got two javelins the javelins have uh a multi melta and and last cannons mm -hmm. so the last cannon side spawns and things and then a yeah. pinto mounted multi melta and then the last one is a leviathan with uh, a siege drill and a cyclonic melta lance, and he's coming down in a in a drop pod. Nice. So, uh, and then that and that Leviathan is going to be, uh, um, he's a Mel. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah so yeah, it's, the, uh, former yeah, that former yeah, yeah. Chief. Um, so uh, is is your plan to kind of have the Tartarus Terminators on the board and then everything else deep striking? 
Uh, well, the thing is that that those Tartarus Terminators have outflank. Oh, they have outflank. Yeah. Okay. Cool. They have outflank so, with um. So you'll kind of have Josh march. on the table, and then you can deep strike slash outflank everything in. Yeah. So the concept behind it, and Josh's army is very much. So we talked about it a little bit, as far as how we're going to complement each other. Mm-hmm. So the idea with Josh, and I don't really know his list off the top of my head, so I'm not even going to pretend to okay. know it, <laughs> but um. Because we didn't really talk about actually models more uh, as far as complement each other. We, we talked about story and how our stories are going to complement each other. Mm-hmm. So his concept is that, you know, as, you know, the dark emissaries, they come out and they talk to this, you know, the, the night lords and whatever. They're, they're going out and they're basically being that representative of Horus in whatever engagement or that theater of war. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they... And they do their thing. So they, they a lot of times, ally themselves with uh, other trader forces uh, that's within their, uh, with whatever uh, combat zone that they're in. So the thing with Josh is that he's going to basically have a whole bunch of guys, just like, just regular night lords, tactical marines. I'm not too quite sure exactly. Maybe some, I'm assuming he's going to put some spicy stuff in there as well. But basically they come in and they harass you right so because they're night lords and that's kind of what they do they're they're infiltrating in they're doing their you know weird shenanigans and they're you know they're they're just being hearing you and being annoying and then basically they're getting they're kind of scouting out the situation just being night lords and how night lights operate right and then the sons of Horus come in and that's you know they're known as that spear tip spear tip assault right so they'll see and they go oh right there you know now this is where we go so they're kind of we're you know we're this is a small little engagement in a much larger battle that's occurring overall feel to me if i'm interpreting this right is a lot mm -hmm. like how you described how you used to visualize the old merciless fighter right Uh, yeah yep he's he's holding the skulls up the skulls are in essence the entire night lord's legion or the majority of it it's right, pulling right. attention, it's causing fear, it's causing intimidation, and then the guy comes in from the side and knifes you. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that whole outflank, that, that deep striking elements of things, and, and yeah, that's that. So yeah. um, cool. that's the concept behind it, um, as far as from a fluff standpoint. Um, so again, when we kind of, when we're talking about complementing each other, it's not necessarily lists complementing each other, it's more concepts complimenting yeah. each other mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, so, so uh mm-hmm. i got one more question for you warlord trade yes, sir. is it the armor of pride so it's actually the well that one i'm i'm vastly back and forth on so like it'll be, it'll be chosen by the dark gods or armor of pride and i don't really know which direction i want to what story i want to tell armor of pride because yes he's a prideful arrogant bastard you know what i mean yeah um and and so it's kind of in the name sort of thing. But Chosen by the Dark Gods is also very intriguing to me as well because first of well, I think one of the big things of, with him is that he's he's this conniving, uh, you know, Slytherin-esque, if you want to call it that, you know, <laughs> type, type character that is looking for any little advantage that he mm. can get to put himself in an advantageous position whether that be politically whether that be on the battlefield whatever it is he's looking for that what's his edge where where he can he where can he get one over on somebody very narcissistic in his in his 
I'm sorry? So having, you know, the Chaos Gods on his side are going to give him that little bit of an edge kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Right, kind of like where he's making a pack with the devil that he doesn't fully understand. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. So, you know, he doesn't really understand the the severity. Or maybe he's so arrogant he thinks he can control it. A lot of them had that problem. Yep, 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 exactly. And so it's that huge, it's that thing of, uh, well, I don't really know exactly what they are. I know they're just kind of like basically warp Xenos. Okay, whatever. And, you know, I'm a Sons of Horus, so to your point, Craig, it's, yeah, it's like, oh, well, I'm a Sons of Horus. I'm, I'm, I'm the son of a basically a god, right? Yeah. Like, it, like, yeah, I'll be able to manage that, no problem. And then the third thing is, again, you have to remember, he's not a true son. Mm-hmm. So for him as far as political intrigue goes because he's trying to see post-war what's the aftermath looking once Horus ascends onto the throne and now he inherits the Imperium but that's how they perceive how it's going to end what where's his role and how does he where does he play into all that and it, you know if, I mean look at within the Mournival all of them are true sons mm-hmm. right it's and he's and he's not a true son, so he's almost like not barred, but his his likelihood of gaining any a significant position of power um, is somewhat limited. There's a there's a sort of glass ceiling that he can't break through simply because of because he doesn't have the right you know facial features. Essentially, you know, he doesn't look like 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 the war master. Yeah. So as a result of that, how can he <laughs> manipulate? How can he use his political intrigue to get where he wants to get post-war? Obviously, you know, it doesn't go the way that the Sons of Horus plan. Yeah. But, um, but you know, he doesn't know that. So he's already thinking long, long-term, long-game, you know, mm-hmm. bettering himself in the end, coming out on top. I mean, yep, you, could exactly. make, you could make an argument for both, both rights mm-hmm. of war, in all honesty. Yeah. You know, him being prideful... The armor really, the armor really fits. Mm-hmm. Just being, mm-hmm. you know, I like the arrogant, the arrogance behind it. I like the, um, I like the fact that you know he's using every ledge that he can to get ahead, and you know, making a pack with something he doesn't fully understand seems par for course for this character. It sounds mm-hmm. like um, I, I, I would almost go with chosen, chosen by the dark gods. Okay, cool. That's that's right. my opinion. Um, like that's your gut. Yeah, of the opposite line. Um, mm-hmm. Like, but I mean, I don't know your character well enough yet because um, mm-hmm. I haven't dismantled him. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, like, based on on what you've explained, like to me, Armor of Pride almost seems better. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from my perspective, um, and not in terms of functionality, it seems like it's good. I, I don't know, um, but if he's so driven to succeed in the face of not being a true son of Horus, right? Uh, and he is so conniving, that also to me would would pour through in the functionality as well, right? So. If mm-hmm. it's you know he's still got D three wounds, well it's because instead of the very last like just as you know, whoever's coming down uh, with that killing blow on him, you know, you mentioned that he's the kind of guy that would throw someone in front. Maybe he pulls a reaver in front of him, 
Oh, that one. Oh, so he's yeah, not that is a cool concept. He's still yeah. there. Right? Maybe I pull um, a reaver when, like, if that happens, and then he comes back to, like, let's say I roll the die and, you know, he, I don't roll a one. And yeah. what I do instead is it's the old um, lookout serve rule. Yeah. And I and I just pull. I mean, I know that's not part of the rules, you know, anymore and anything. But I just r- snatch a random reaver and he goes, "Yeah, he took the blow for him." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or more so, he pulled him in the way. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Huh. Exactly right. So that would be cool. Um, like, uh, and and I think people really appreciate narrative stuff like that. Like Colton mm-hmm. uh, was just at LVO, and I was going over his list, and I was like, "You know, I'm Suzerains this year," and he goes, "Well, no, because his gaming group has just been like you know, real hard for." The push for beta garmin yeah. and so right. all their games have been through that so you know he mm. made like a new character and that new character was based on kind of like this obscure battle that went for a really long time and it was supposed to be really important but it's like a one-off throwaway line in one of the books um mm. and so they've been fighting that but his praetor's suzerain command squad was like slaughtered to a man in one of his previous push for beta garmin games so he didn't bring it to lvo because he's like they're all dead Oh, that is so sick. Yeah. So he's like, I can bring them because they're like they got killed to a man on like this shipboarding action. And so yeah, like, like they they're not dude, they're sick. not a part of the force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't like replace them, it was just like, oh like you know, so you requisitioned a new like suzerain squad. It's just like, no, there's no more suzerain squad. <laughs> uh, in that it's army. not like you can just churn those out, you know, by the dozen. Yeah, yeah exactly. So he's just like there's no more suzerain squad. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> so, uh, what a cool concept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, you're really committed to the bit. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, that, you know, that whole story had me, like, getting scraped to death by my zipper. But, um, <laughs> uh, Dude, you're saints. I swear to God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> These were, like, my more tame ones. <laughs> I had one at brunch today that is definitely not appropriate to repeat. <laughs> 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 yeah. Did you crack me up? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Adding to it, like, uh, my girlfriend was like, oh, that's like a really eloquent sentence. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> 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 and, then, then I, and then I realized she misheard one of the words. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, whatever. I still think it was eloquent, but there you go. Uh, yeah, it's 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 eloquent in your own way, right? You know, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she she approved it too, so you're good to go. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's so... that's awesome. I, I mean, for me, I I like it. I think I think the list will complement um, uh, Josh as well. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I think it'll function well. Uh, and this is something that, you know, I, I don't judge anyone else for. It's something that started with me like probably two years ago. I don't mm-hmm. like one-offs, like one-off anythings. Um, it doesn't okay. bug me when it's in someone else's, but like when I'm designing something, like I won't put a singular drop pod. Oh, I see. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll like need more than one. Um, and Makes this sense. is something that came from like, you know, the advantages that are not necessarily the advantages, but the potential that, uh, the old decap strike had mm-hmm. so like an old decapitation strike i could just and and i did it for a little while um you know you could just give like one drop pod like because anyone who could take a rhino could instead take a drop pod but they yeah. had an right. option of either or so it was like oh cool i'll just pack like a bunch of melt vets and like a one drop pod mm-hmm. and then i was just like uh like and after a while i was like i don't like this anymore um i was like it doesn't feel 
like it feels weird to have a whole ship in orbit for just one drop pod makes but, sense yeah i mean but if everything else is like like if you've got two squads of reavers or whatever like deep striking in then mm -hmm. i can see how that would go with like one drop pod mm -hmm. out of uh like even just out of a thunderhawk like if a thunderhawk transporter is just like flying along with a um, just thunks it down in it. yeah and just drops mm -hmm. it kind of like in the siege of terra like fulgrim had that crazy like land crawler yeah got a bunch of like drop pods set, set in it like inverted mm -hmm. and then just lobbed them <laughs> just lobbed so, them off uh, the wall <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean like who's to say that you don't have one of those crawlers <laughs> sitting back there too yeah right. um so yeah like it's it's not a criticism mm -hmm. it's not i'm not trying to dissuade mm -hmm. you from doing it um but yeah, I think it'll match very well with everything else that's going on. Okay. Um, yeah. And you don't think that that Leviathan thing would be because no, I was talking, uh, I was talking to the guys in my group, and they're almost, and that was my biggest concern was like, so I have a story for the Leviathan of why I he's there. I I, yeah, I want to bring Urbera into the. He's a character, yeah. too, right? And someone that you mm -hmm. brought along. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not scared of a single single mm -hmm. Leviathan. Right. Uh, even well, even if you know, in the list that I've got, can literally scream that son of a bitch to death. Yeah. Like yeah. pretty easily. Like I mean, actually scream. Like because I have mm -hmm. tons of like tech priests and stuff mm -hmm. that are walking around with like the Artificia Machina, mm -hmm. which are like mini Caleb Decima like haywire screams. <laughs> so like yeah, and, every and, turn, if I get a cyberthurgy, I can just do assault D6 haywire shots. And just just smack the crap out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, at, but. And and the thing is, is that I was talking to a handful of guys in the group or in my local group, you know, when I was sharing the list and they were saying, okay, I think I would rather go up against one Leviathan than I would two Contemptors. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. That's fair. 100%. So, um, so. And I, Craig and I played a 1500 point game not long ago and he had mm -hmm. a Leviathan and it did not swing the game for him. Nope. Okay. It okay. did not. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah, fun. I, I think I still killed it. Oh, we've no. Uh, I was going after your dread, and you were retreating at that point in time. Um, I but, didn't uh, have a dread. But I was you had your box knot. I was retreating. Oh yeah, yeah I did have my Yeah, box you're, knot. That's right. I, yeah. You 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 use your box knot yeah. to help the help stave the re, the treat retreat from the Leviathan. Leviathan really didn't make a big difference right. on the game yeah, as a did. whole. Just I think the only thing it did no, was but I did I did kill it though because I shot at it with like everything. Yeah, including the more day thing. Uh, I took out the I took out the box nuts. That's all I cared about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I curb stomped that. Bad uh, boy. That box nut's been a hero though. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that box knot like at a contemptor one time, and he like he just murdered a contemptor. Like he just stomped his way over there, like shot him with a multi melta, and then just like slapped him a couple. Times. And then I think that was your that was your thought process when you send him after the Leviathan. And you're like he went he he killed yeah, a contemptor. Yeah. Like I was like yeah. <laughs> Fuck, let's yeah, go after this Leviathan. He's got this. <laughs> bit off a little more than he could chew, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had a giant thing bitten off him, but no. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I think it's fine. Like, okay. I, I'm, I'm certain you'll run into other lists with at least, like, one Leviathan or a couple Contemptors or okay. even, like, a Der like a Derideo. Like, we've got one or two Thanatars. Got it. Um, okay. And... Uh, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried about it. I can't like I can't remember Pretty's list like perfectly off the top of my head either. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I know he's running Myrmidon Cult, mm -hmm. uh, so he's got at least one Thanatar in there because he needs sense. it. He needs it to make them to make the uh, Myrmidon's line 
Oh, okay. Because right? they have to be within range of yeah, like you have to take like a Thanatar Calyx even in in um I think it's in your HQ slots mm. for Myrmidon Cult, but it, the Myrmidons have to be within certain range of that Thanatar in order to get line. Um, yeah, so I, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, okay. I, I don't so see it being an issue. Do, I don't think it's OP. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just trying to. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. But yeah, so I guess the 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 coin flip is chosen by the dark gods or you know armor of pride. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it sounds like mm -hmm. either would work. Uh, my vote's yeah. for armor of pride. My vote's for chosen by the. I, I mean, there's an argument for both of them, and both <laughs> of them make sense. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tell, they. Tell We'll, we'll do this. Uh, when I post this episode, I'll post it mm -hmm. to the story, and I'll put a vote on it. Um, yes, that would be awesome. Like, yeah. Like, what, <laughs> uh, what is Dan's warlord trade? Um, <laughs> I will go with whatever the masses decide. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. I like the armor the armor of pride one. I like the idea of just like taking a reaver every time you do it. Like, yeah, this was pretty good. So I'm going to take a reaver off for you. <laughs> Make it easy for him. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, no, I, I, I like that. And, and I've been kind of doing the same thing. Uh, for like a, a well, now that LVO is like done and over with, um, I've been working on my half of the mechanic and bros list. And we're trying to come up with a cool team name too. Do you guys have a team name? No, we're just gonna go as the iterators. So, oh. yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, Unless you can come up with a something for us, I mean, that's. <laughs> I don't know. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. You will tell Dagon Knights tech team. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, Evis oh, and butthead. Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flawless in execution. Um, Jack Johnson, Tom O'Leary. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Pretty and I are trying to come up with one, but um, mm -hmm. Super Mechanicum Bros just doesn't uh, roll off the tongue. Um, mm. But uh, I'll, th I'll, I'll think of something. I'll think of something. I'll shoot a couple your way. So, all right. Uh, all right. Yeah. yeah, I'll see if I can cook anything up uh, in exchange. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've had Mechanicum stuff for a while, and I flip back and forth on what I want to do with it and how I want to theme it. And at the end of the day, you can take you can take the man out of the 19th Legion, but you can't take mm -hmm. the 19th Legion out of the man, I guess. Um, so I'm going like full fucking Mechanicum Assassins, <laughs> uh, which I don't think I also have never seen anyone run a Malaga a Malagra Archmages, mm -hmm. um, and so that's part of it too. But I don't have a story built for this guy yet. I can't even think of a good name because I don't even know how to name fucking Mechanicum characters. Is that the guy that you're uh, that you showed us earlier? No, um, that's probably not going to be him. Uh, I'm probably I'm use I got uh, that like Erasmus whatever the hell his name is like the. Mm -hmm limited edition um inquisitor mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. and he's like he looks like he's like a former tech priest inquisitor or something so i'm using that as a base model um and uh and i may not even actually use that interfector that i built um because like everything else kind of has some version of like almost a japanese looking theme to it so i think mm -hmm. i'm just going to lean into that and have a, like a series of like assassin slash samurai looking type tech priests um all oh, over the place sick uh yeah I, I think so um and uh and i gotta kind of land on like a color scheme for that but mm. um 
So, you know, it, it, it's because as I was reading the rules again, like today or yesterday or something, I realized that when you take a Malagra, not only do you get prehensile data spikes on your uh, Tech Priest Auxilias, they also gain Scout. Um, so a lot of my units are really fast moving. Like I, I, I'll have an Aquator Magisterium and his squad of Vorax, which scout out, and then two uh, squads of Tech Priest Auxilias with their Servo Automata, which scout. Right. And I'm primarily using um, like uh, Cyberhounds and like different like Cyber Animals mm -hmm. as kind of the um, like Servo Automata with Servo Arms because um, it fits like a hunter clade type thing like moving quickly because I was like man like these mine locked servitors like don't really make sense right like right. a bunch of mm. would be assassins or character hunters or like ambushers mm -hmm. um, and uh, so even though like I, I love this guy I'm not sure yet if he'll make it in he may just be on the basis of time because he looks he looks cool but um, and then the uh, the vindicare assassin um conversion which i'm probably just going to start calling like an aquator exodus or something instead mm -hmm. of like an aquator um or, or acuator magisterium call him mm -hmm. like an acuator exodus mm -hmm. uh, and he infiltrates so like I'm, i move very quickly so i want more like robes that are somewhat open right um, oh, okay yeah, yes. movement yeah um so like i've got that uh that planche and sisters battle that they had done like forever ago oh yeah um, yeah yeah and she's kind of got like a similar look and a similar armor looking set to the Erasmus guy. And then I'll just swap torsos, um, which lengthen them and make them a little bit taller. But as I was thinking about it as well, I was like, man, like an assassin tech priest, uh, especially a fast moving one, probably wouldn't like give himself a Myrmidon structure sized body. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think he'd probably want to <laughs> stay like some mm -hmm. one small. Um, and that's not to say that I won't bring this, the guy that I did convert, because I may pair him with another one. And just like, uh, I just ordered um, the Vanser champion and carapace armor that comes with all the spiders. And what? so I'll use those spiders as uh, like cyber arachnids. Where were they? So it's it's on Forge World. It's um, the Vansar champion and carapace armor. Uh, oh, those with, like, for, for Necromunda. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've seen so, those. I ordered that to use those spiders as cyber, um, like as a servo automata with servo arms as well. So, you know, I, I might have that one little pocket of tech priest uh, auxilia that's more of like poisoning type assassins. Mm. So, um, you know, and then it, it, their scout, I'll just have to pretend is more of an infiltrate. But they're they don't infiltrate infiltrate as far because they're slow because they've got closed ropes. But anyways, we'll see we'll see which direction I go with it because he he does look pretty rad. Mm. Not to toot my own horn too much, but hmm. Um. So, wait. So the the assassin element of it, right? And you said you were looking. What was the color scheme that you said that you weren't really quite too sure on, or? Yeah. So I I'm not really sure. I was gonna do maybe like a dark gray, um, because like that can kind of look cool with still like. The bright red shoulder yeah. pads, um, like kind of a bluish gray, but I guess that's like Tagmata Satrail, which is like a traitor, right? Uh, and I'm not about that life. <laughs> and 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 so, can you give me just a little background on what they are? Just mm. what they are generally, like do you, the Malagra? You, 
Uh, did you ever read or listen to Mechanicum? Yes, long a while back. That was like uh, and five years ago. Cybernetica. Yeah, same thing. So, yeah. Um, so the Malagra are kind of like uh, they probably they would have been like proto inquisitors, but also would have been like the Mechanicum assassin clades. So okay, the me- uh, yeah. Um, so the Malagra would have like hunted down heretics. I see. Typically. Mm. Um, and so that's why it's like I want shit that moves fast, but also elements of the assassin clade within there. So that's why I kind of want to have a mixture of almost samurai-looking stuff with ninja-type stuff. Mm. Um, I see. Yeah, like cyber ninja-type stuff. And it'll contrast nicely against, like, you know, the mass amounts of robes that'll be in Pretty's uh, um, Myrmidon cult. So basically, basically, there'll be a definite distinction between the two forces. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, we'll have, like, similar type basing stuff to tie it together. But this is a new army for me, so I don't have a story for my character yet. Um, you know, just just as an idea, right? Because they, they seem like they exist. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They they seem like they, they're, like, an, an a detachment that are kind of that are attached to your um to your main force correct like not in not in game but in lore does that make sense like uh, they they yeah. don't they're not native to that whatever unit that you're you're bringing right is that uh, yeah yeah for the most part i mean they would have their own like you know support elements within mm-hmm. there but right. that's what makes it nice about being able to keep everything within that sort of one theme mm-hmm. because like let's the myrmidon cults get petitioned Mm-hmm. So they kind of like operate on their own sort of like outskirts, and you petition them like you would a night house or a titan house. And then they would so, they would then yeah. come and attach. Yeah, exactly. They would come and attach mm-hmm. themselves to whatever you're doing. So in the you know the the theory sort of mm-hmm. that would fit here is that you know the Malagra or the Hunter Clades have like a bead on traders and heretics, but they need more firepower up and right. above what their skill set is. Mm. Right, so there's like okay, well, if we're gonna do that, then then we need to petition, you know, the Merman and Cult of Pretty, um, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, get them to lend their firepower, so that way we can kind of get the characters that we're after, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and right. get, get who we're after, right? Um, so that's kind of the the thought process behind it, and it's just something different and something refreshing. But I just like mm-hmm. assassins and. Uh, so, you know, I may, I may end up, um, thinking today I'll probably try to kind of base him a little bit on the ghost of Tsushima, which isn't a real life character, but mm-hmm. from like, oh. you know, the PlayStation game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. who's, uh, just a rad samurai turned assassin. Um, it kind of yeah. looks like a blend of the two. Um, yeah. but then I'll throw a bunch of fucking Mechanicum bits on him and make him like crazy cyborgy. Uh, so I have a lot of Delac kits, <laughs> which are going to get used on uh, mass in this army. Um, and then I'm a dog guy, so I like I like having the dogs because I, I really struggled with like what freaking servo automata am I going to use? Here? <laughs> um, and then uh, I'm going to convert a couple into like miniature looking Volterax mm-hmm. with like rotor cannons ha- hanging from the bottom, little like turbines on their sides. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll use some of those because that feels like cool. And then since I'm going to do in those, I'm going to bring a Volterax as well, just because I have the model. And I've had mm-hmm. it forever, and it's a cool model. But um, 
and they're not like as difficult to get anymore because they don't count as like they count as a skimmer now. Mm. They don't count as like a flying monstrous creature, so you're not snapping <laughs> at them. Uh, you, so you can actually guy. shoot them down now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> but he's gonna I'm, come I'm a right for that Leviathan from, from one one point oh. <laughs> Yeah, just a, just a smidge, yeah. not too much. <laughs> um, it's funny. I used to play against one guy who would use them, and he would never point them at your vehicles. Really? Yeah, he would just harangue the fucking Christ out of your infantry with them, and it was effective. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was a really good strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and then you know I need troops and stuff, so I like Thalax. I'm taking Thalax. Um, I wanted to take Guardian Automata. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh, I can use like a bunch of rust stalkers, which look like fucking crazy assassiny. Right. Um, but uh, in 2.0, they got the support squad special rule. Ah. So I'm like, ah. So like they basically took that support squad special rule from the Castellax and gave it to the Guardian Automata instead. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Too bad I had to change what I was doing. So um, I have Thalax, two squads of Thalax because I like them. Um, but the tech priests have line. So while they're not troops, mm-hmm. uh, they score for me. So I'm just pretending they're troops. Uh, and then, <laughs> as the force grows, I'll just add wise, more. Right? Yeah, exactly. So as yeah, the force yeah. grows, I'll just add more like tech priest assassins <laughs> and Circle and just make those squads huge. Um, you, can almost, you can almost run this concept of like, look at history look within history within different um like assassin organizations that you know and kind of take inspiration either whether it's just fluff wise or um whether it's just fluff wise or or color scheme or however way it is right um like for me the way you're kind of explaining it it reminds me a lot of you ever heard of the sacred band of thebes no no so they they were basically this an elite infantry force but they were like a special operations obviously it's way way back in the day when you know during the um the greek city states and whatnot you know um but basically they were this elite infantry unit that would it was kind of like a ford force that would attach to the regular Thebian army and what they would do is is that they would go um basically hunt um, like they'll assassinate basically the head officers, line officers of whatever opposing force there was, and knock those guys out. And as the other forces, then you know the big army would come in and sweep up and take out instantaneously. So you have the big force coming in. These guys are wrapping around the sides. They're coming in. They're forward deployed. They're they're doing whatever it takes to. Um, to to knock out the the enemy uh, officers right their their officer corps. Um, one thing that's really interesting about them is that they were um, they were all uh, lovers, so they all were kind of interconnected with one another. Yes, and so and so um, the cor- the reason why I'm thinking is because you know the interconnected cor- correlates very well with how the the mechanicum and how they operate how they're very interconnected with one another you yeah, know and they fuck, you know man you hit oil like, <laughs> um, uh, yeah i'm looking this up right now i mean that's like exactly how i'm kind of describing it mm-hmm. like it, yeah. like how they'll operate in the field right like that's mm-hmm. 
you know, not to give away our fucking strategy to the enemy. Yes, tell tell everyone. <laughs> yeah, um, but tell me like, everything. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the whole goal of like that's mm. my job is to like right. fucking take out squad leaders and take out characters mm. and try to just reduce the amount of leadership that's on the t on the field and to hunt like warlords and shit. Right? Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. and I mean a lot of these pictures show like bronze and reds and whites. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, uh, I mean, maybe I mean, that's take, my, maybe color inspiration from them. Even naming junctions, you know, how they might name certain units or whatever, and how they interact. Whatever it is, however way you want to manifest that, that might be a cool maybe source of in, uh, inspiration that you might want to uh, go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. No, I'm definitely gonna fucking dig through this. This looks awesome. Yeah. Because um, I was thinking maybe of doing like kind of like a white. But mm -hmm. I didn't want to like steer so hard into that because people would be like, "Oh, that's just like Assassin's Creed." <laughs> um, <laughs> like, no, um, like nah, dude. There's DBN. some kind of like comic book that was about this. Mm. Uh, I'm not gonna buy it, but I don't know. I just know the history aspects of it, so I don't. I don't yeah. really know anything. No, I, yeah, I wasn't familiar with it, but. Um, this urn has them with shields with pictures of roosters. I probably won't slide into that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, probably won't lean into that skid. Uh, but yeah, some lions. There was a fairly successful band of warriors staying entirely of 150 gay couples. They were chosen based on the yeah, idea so that you fight better when trying to impress your lover. Yep, so that the whole concept was that they were interconnected with one another and the fact that they can they operated on that uh scale and I don't know the the full history of them um but to me that really sells the whole mechanicum you know they're kind of they're operating all within the same bandwidth quite literally yeah with the mechanical yeah, so yeah, and just blend um, that with yeah. like samurais and ninjas hell yeah 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 you know really intercultural stuff to make it work you know that'd yeah. be awesome yeah well i mean the other one's just aesthetic wise right so yeah yeah so the aesthetics of the you know that japanese influence and the mindset of the 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 thebe the thebes excuse me and you know that sacred band of thebes and you can really pull a really cool concept for a fighting force and an attachment really to your force in lore yeah. attachments so yeah yeah 100 percent. no that's rad i'm into it i am into it i'm gonna look into this more um yeah cool all right mm -hmm. uh why don't we take so, two minutes mm -hmm. um i'm gonna get a drink and then we'll come back with uh trying to convince you to come to LVA. sounds good sounds good
and welcome back to the Death and Betrayal podcast. Uh, Dan's still on deck with us. We refreshed our drinks. We're ready yes, to sir. go. All and right. We're going to talk a little bit about LVO. <laughs> Sounds good, man. So basically, I wasn't there at LVO, but from what I saw online and from all the, the commotion that was going on, there was, what, 76 players that were attending or something like that, the narrative campaign. It's, yeah. It looked really big. It looked really fun. There's a bunch of photos that were get, been getting posted online, on Facebook, on Reddit, on all sorts of like mediums, and it just looked like it just looked like it was just like y- y'all just had an absolute blast. But I'm coming from the perspective of someone who actually didn't go to LVO because uh, you know it wasn't really in my uh, in my budget at the time and everything like that, you know. And I don't really, you know, I had to choose either that or Adepticon. So having said that, why should I go to LVO next year. So, Alex, why don't you sell me on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I'm, I mean, obviously it won't be exactly the same next year, but mm-hmm. uh, last year was kind of the first year that we came back. It was the first year I was running it, and mm-hmm. it was also the first year that it wasn't at Bally's anymore. So I kind of did, like, a send-off, and I didn't really get to choose the schedule last year, so the Mega Battle was on Friday, and so we kind of did, like, an attrition campaign instead. So we started, like, the Mega Battle on Friday last year, and then uh, Saturday, uh, we went down to 3,000 points. And then Sunday, we went down to 2,000 points Centurion. And um, it all just kind of rolled down um, to help set up a layer for what the, the overall narrative will eventually become or could become. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a send-off to Bally's. And, and last year, I, I did this kind of mechanic, which about 50% of the people thought was cool. 50% of the people, it just didn't land. Mm-hmm. Um, for one reason or another, but um, I had done campaign contribution records. I used my usual campaign scoring, which I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, and um, some people on their campaign scorecard, or campaign contribution record, I should say, uh, had a little sort of hidden Hydra on it. Um, and hmm. so a bunch of people didn't realize they were actually being manipulated by the Alpha Legion and the Cabal. Uh, and so I kind of had three possible scenarios, which would then inform me of where to go on in the next the next LVO, which is the one that just came up. Uh, that's um, cool. So you're basically used. I'm, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but yeah, just so okay. that I'm on the same page, you used last year's LVO or mechanic that yeah. was in last year's LVO to then forge the events that transpired yeah. mm-hmm. in what happened a week ago. Yeah, exactly, right? So what had happened was uh, the Cabal and the Alpha Legion actually ended up winning. Um, the Adeptus Titanicus <laughs> event, their their campaign scores poured in and, and helped do the same thing, uh, helped influence it. And mm-hmm. so um, what had actually happened last year was since uh, I wanted a way for the planet to essentially, quote-unquote, die, since we're not at Bally's anymore, and we had called it the Siege of Ballast last year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the Cabal used a black cube to essentially remove that supply point from play. Um, so calling back to the book Legion, if anyone read that, like uh, they had run into the weaponization of a black cube by the um, cultists on that planet. Um, so I borrowed kind of from that. Mm-hmm. And so half the dudes were like, oh my god, that's amazing. And then the other mm-hmm. half, it didn't quite land. And I'm guessing those are the people that didn't read the book Legion. <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay, maybe that was like a little bit too deep on the lore, but it allowed mm-hmm. the planet to die and create a scenario where both fleets were kind of trying to escape the planet last minute. 
and mm -hmm. move forward. Um, so enter uh, Rio Prime, which is uh, the the planet that we fought over um, in this past weekend, and right. we called that the assault on Rio Prime. So it's it was for the most part a neutral uh, system, a neutral planet that had kind of declared independence. Um, uh, but so that way it's, you know, it, it wouldn't have to, um, I wouldn't have to repeat the same, like, okay, it's a whatever held world and loyalists are attacking traitors held on that world. Uh, and so, um, what I did last year was I had built, uh, well, you and I talked about it last year on your podcast, right? I did the secret missions. Right. Um, and we played it out cause each mission played kind of the next step of the story and you didn't know what the trader was doing if you were loyalist and vice versa. Um, and so same sort of idea. And I started writing the missions again and I went, Jesus fucking Christ, how many times can I really write people assaulting a planet and fighting each right. other <laughs> and make it unique? And uh, so I actually ended up just sort of proverbially balling it up and throwing it in file 13. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I, I retweaked what I had always done, which was um, if you win, you get three victory points, or sorry, three campaign points. If you tie, you get two. If you lose, you get one. Because even okay. if you lose, you still have an effect on the greater war effort, and that mm. would be the case in reality. Right, right. Yeah, so... Um, it's it's almost like it's, you know, the, the little section uh, or the tabletop that you're playing on, that isn't the end-all, be-all of the larger engagement that's occurring. This is essentially just one company versus another company, scale-wise, right? And But it's a part of a much larger war effort, like yeah. you were saying. And and so I kind of like how you 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 merge that concept of what's actually occurring or what would naturally occur on on a real life battlefield, and 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 incorporate that into the campaign. I really like that. Yeah, um, and and so from there it was just a simple: how can I empower the player a little bit more this time around? So instead mm -hmm. of putting them on my narrative train. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking back to the push for Beta Garmin, which is very open-ended, allows people to play their own missions, do whatever they want, um, and create their own story. I kind of thought, well, how can I do that here? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's a group chat that I'm in, and so I, I can't remember who posted it, but it was kind of a, like, you know, you choose, you choose your mission, and then the opponent chooses their mission, and something similar to that. Um, mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, let's take a look at the book, the missions in the book, and the objection, the primary objectives that come out of that. So what I did was I broke day one, which is two thousand points. And the only restriction was you can't have any flyers that don't have a transport capacity because they would be busy in dogfights as everyone else is trying to land mm -hmm. um, to set up. And so we called day one landing party. So it's loyalists and traders landing on the planet trying to set up. Uh, supply zones, trying to set up forward operating bases, um, mm -hmm. and and you know uh, secure LZs. So I mm -hmm. looked at the missions in the book, the three missions in the book that would represent some sort of action like that, either you know taking the guns or landing and securing a landing zone, or um, trying to push through uh, to rendezvous with other loyalist forces, etc. Like anything right. that missions that you could create that narration in your head for. Right, right. Um, and uh, in, in I'll come back to that because day two, there's a, I've actually got an example. Like a couple guys came up to me and, and told me about the the story that they built for that game that they were playing. Right. Um, and 
and so they could choose their primary objective. And I gave them all a campaign contribution record, which had up to six engagements on it that they could play. And you first had to choose your primary objective. So, you know, day one, like you could choose Onslaught as an example, but your opponent might choose one of the other missions. Right? Uh, um, yeah, I, like I don't that. know my rule I, book right now, but. I, <laughs> and because uh, there's always a fine line between giving the players, if you're running a campaign, right? There, I always found that there's that fine line between giving your players agency but also at the same time, you don't want the agency to have turn into a steamroll effect, right? Mm -hmm. It's because yeah. they won this, and then now you're, um, the lo let's say loyalists, you know, are beat the the traders, right? And now the traders are on the back foot. A lot of times, you might see there's that steamrolling effect. I don't really know how else to explain it other than that, but yeah, yeah but no, you're, you're but, exactly but, right. And but and then the alternative to that is 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 okay, well, here's this narrative thing, and regardless of what you do, this is the, it's the, the, the path or the train, or the, the pathway to the whole campaign and how it ends has already been determined. And not to say that either one of those is bad, but there's always that weird, like, which way, which direction you're going to go. And I like how you're almost riding the fine line between both of those. I yeah. really like that. Yeah, so, and, and it, it worked out very well because, spoiler alert, like, traders won day one, but they did not win day two. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's even with, like, a slight advantage for the traders. Um, right. So day one, they could choose the v, the primary objective of Onslaught, Shatter Strike, or Tide of Carnage. Mm -hmm. But they could only choose each primary objective once through the day. So they can't play Onslaught, like, three times if their army just happens to be really good at doing Onslaught. Uh, but, I see. So you you had to give them a sense of agent or not agency, but it, uh, you have to give them an eclectic um, choices where you can't yeah. just oh I'm gonna I'm a meta build to this. Yeah, yeah You're getting exactly. rid of that that element to th of things. Yeah. But then what mm -hmm. I think it also did in in a, a wide number of cases is it kind of balanced the game a little bit because mm -hmm. how many times it, it always seems to happen in some way shape or form you end up against, you know, on just the right mission against the right opponent with the right deployment zone that you're like, oh, I'm going to fucking crush this guy. Right. Right. And you might be really excited or you might feel shitty about that. Depends on who you are as a person, I guess. Um, <laughs> but now that guy has the ability to mitigate that because he'd be like, shit, like, you know what? This guy's probably going to pick an onslaught. He'll probably be really good at it. But if I pick Shatter Strike, I get a good chance of at least tying him up. Right, because mm -hmm. um, they can and, see the situation and be like, "Okay, this is what's gonna this is what's gonna level the field for me a little bit." And and there's almost a sense of realism to that as well. If if I may, kind of put in my two cents or just my initial thoughts on that mm -hmm. is that, you know, a, a lot of times when you get into um, when when you when you're on the, the battlefield in real life, right? You know, there's the common mission objectives okay hey we need this we need to take this airport we need to take this lz whatever it is yeah. right yeah. but just because you're that's the overall i would say goal right the the mission objective that how the two belligerent parties go about it may be a hundred percent different mm -hmm. so we can use um the the battle of kiev as a good example of that, right? So I believe it was a Hostomel airport, right? Where the, it was 
it was a pivotal, or I should say, it was an important part of both belligerents' um, objectives, right? Yep. War of uh, war objectives, overall war objectives, right? However, how they went about that process was 100% different. The Russians wanted to take the LZ, they wanted to take the airport, right? Yeah. So that they can then bring in support via airlift, right? You know, yeah. hey, we're going to drop in uh, support, we're going to drop in all, you know, all of our supplies and whatnot, and then we'll continue that push towards the capital. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. The, like we the, used the, the Canadians to do in Afghanistan. Yep, yep, and, and then the Canadians as, to secure Kandahar Airport, and then mm-hmm. the U.S. was able to come in and land. Exactly, exactly, and and then when and when you get to the um, the Ukrainians, the, the airport was just as important to them. But then the thing was that they didn't want the the the, the Russians to do that. However, how that they're even though the battle, the engagement, the battle of uh, of Hostomel Airport was the same engagement the objectives were 100 percent different there was exactly. let's bleed out the russians let's make sure that you know uh, we're going to take as many bodies as we possibly can while they're going while they're trying to take it and then once if we lose it right we're yep. going to render the airport useless, useless. Mm-hmm. Yep. and exactly. uh, so again so, same so engagement completely different yep. objective 100 percent um mm-hmm. and i like and how so... you did that you brought that into the heresy. That's so awesome, dude. Yeah. So, uh, and again, I, I kind of hijacked that idea in some way, shape, or form from somebody else. I just can't remember who, and so I'm sorry for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and I don't know if they had actually brought it to life on the page yet, or if they had just thought it up and then handed it to me, and then I did it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and again, I put my spin on it, so I changed it a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. then what I did was, um, and th- those determine your victory points. Your primary objective determines your victory points. That's whether you win or lose. Uh, and as I mentioned, if you win, you get three campaign points. If you tie, you get two. If you lose, you get one. Then you can choose two secondary objectives. And so I listed the ones that were from the book, which was Slay the Warlord, Attrition, Last Man Standing, Price of Failure, and First Blood. Mm-hmm. And you could choose two of those, and those would net you a campaign point if you achieve them. And let's say you have something like Decapitation Strike, which would accelerate your victory points on the Slay the Warlord. It would accelerate your campaign points instead. Huh. Right. Uh, but there was, again, another option for empowerment here, which is faction-specific secondary objectives. So you could take, in lieu of one of the book secondaries, you could take one specific to your faction. So I wrote up full... Um, uh, objectives for the tra- for the loyalists, uh, which included all 18 legions, mm-hmm. Mechanicum, Solar Auxilia, and Talons of the Emperor. And those objectives have either or conditions. Give me uh, an example of one okay, if you have yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll pull it up here. Uh, I'll pull up the traitor objective pack because it's the fast, closest one. So, uh, for example, Emperor's Children gain one campaign point if you kill the enemy warlord in a challenge. Or if you win more challenges than your opponent by the end of the game. I like that. So it's not you're not stuck with just one track. You're yeah. there's multiple ways to achieve it. I, I like yeah. that. But they would like I used their um, warlord traits and legion traits to inform those, right? So Iron Warriors hmm. okay. gain one campaign point if you finish the game losing more units than your opponent. Or oh. kill more vehicles slash dreadnoughts slash automata slash fortifications than your opponent. I like so that. So kind that of Perturabo's is... Tally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or Siege Warfare. 
Mm-hmm. So you're pulling that inspiration, like you said, from from the warlord traits to inform the the these objectives, these secondaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and and awesome. and I did the same thing uh, for like you know lo- uh, loyal traitor versions of loyalists. So like dark angels gain one campaign point if you win against a loyalist dark angels player, mm-hmm. or if you kill more dreadnoughts or automata than your opponent. To kind of represent, like you know, the monster killing traditions yeah. of Calibre. right, 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 or um, uh, Iron Hands as an example. Gain one campaign point if you completely destroy more units than your opponent, or you must destroy at least three infantry units with the last wound removed by small arms fire. So strength seven <laughs> or less, right? So I more like, like Red mm-hmm. Talons going fucking renegade, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Autech more like just irradiating shit like crazy. Um, dude uh, that sounds sick yeah like raven guard um, gain mm-hmm. one campaign point if you tie the match or lose less units than your opponent does <laughs> like as a as a traitor one as an example mm-hmm. um, and I was kind of thinking about like things that the ashen claws would do uh, when I was doing that <laughs> um, oh and I had one for knights as well actually but uh, anyway same sort of thing right um, mm-hmm. auxilia gain one campaign point if your opponent fails to make it past the halfway point of the map or lose more close combats than your opponent because it's like you're you're just using them as fodder mm-hmm. like we're just here right. to tie shit up while so, the marines do the real work because we're just so crazy like, fanatics it, it looks like what you're doing is, is that even if you're you're rewarded for essentially doing something that may not be beneficial to you on the tabletop because it's playing into that narrative. So like the auxilia one, mm-hmm. if you lose more close combat, um, you lose more fights in close combat than, you know, in that, in that, uh, battle. I, I like that because it shows that, okay, Hey, that you're, it really kind of ties you in or hmm, what's a good way of putting this. It allows it you to you. buy into the yeah empowers you it empowers you and makes you want to buy into the narrative because it's not about you winning all your games it's about helping out the cause it's about exactly. hey exactly yeah 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 I yeah, like e- that exactly right so like you might look at this mission and be like fuck there's no way I'm gonna win this so mm-hmm. he's gonna get three campaign points for sure mm-hmm. but I can do you know. Um, the price of failure or first blood and i'll do my auxilia one which will hold that and then that'll give me two campaign points right off the bat and then i'm at three campaign points so right. i've and almost I just mitigated tied their win yep, yep. exactly right mm-hmm. um now there was a mechanic as well that i kind of borrowed and tweaked uh from someone as well uh that was in that same group chat and this is a way that you could maybe turn that around for yourself and it's called the Remembrance or Mechanic. So when everyone signed up, or when they registered, I should say, uh, they got their usual like lodge coin that I give out at every mm-hmm. event that I run, um, which isn't like anything special. I just 3D print like a loyalist and trader coin, and that's mm-hmm. the lodge coin. And if you attend any of my events, uh, you can trade that coin to your opponent for a reroll. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like in event currency for things that I run. Right. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, if you went to uh, Hecate here in Edmonton, and then you went to Elvio last year, and then you went to Istvan 5 last year, and then you went to Elvio this year, and you go to Beta Garmin this year, you'd have five right. campaign coins. Like, five oh, and they coins. stack. 
and they stack. So like you could have one mm-hmm. game where you're like, fuck, like I really need this. I really need like my warlord to not die here. You mm-hmm. just keep trading him coins for a reroll because at the <laughs> end of the day, it puts a reroll in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right, because he's got the coin now. And he can bank that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He can bank that. So like there was one guy by like the end of day three who had four like fucking campaign co- like three or four lodge coins because he brought his <laughs> from last year and he got his and then he got two more through the day. Right. Um, yeah. And so, like, it stacks. Maybe he needs it. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but then these guys just, you know, they have to carry around their little thing of coins. Uh, but I also 3D printed um, a whole bunch of male and female remembrancers. Mm-hmm. And so everyone got a remembrancer. So they got a free miniature for showing up to the event as well. Right. That's awesome. And this, this miniature actually had utility. So it wasn't just like, hey, man, here's a free miniature. Um, I don't know. Be happy about it. Uh-huh. Uh, throughout the campaign, day one, two, and three, they could contribute additional campaign points to the war effort through the utility of the Remembrancer, because the Remembrancer would, in effect, as they did in the Great Crusade, create propaganda. So your uh-huh. ballistic skill and weapon skill one, they were strength three, toughness three, one wound, initiative two, leadership five, and save six plus. They were equipped with civilian clothes, a picter, and a network fox. They had three special rules, which was divine purpose, picked capture, and network upload. Divine purpose meant that the remembrancer can never be targeted by attacks or be subject to challenges or precision strikes and must begin the game attached to a unit. They are, however, affected by blast, templates, sweeping advantages as per normal, and any like additional wounds that would pour over onto the unit would mm-hmm. pour over onto the remembrancer. They just can't be deliberately targeted. I see. The Remembrancer has a 4-plus invulnerable save that can never be modified or ignored. And uh, this question came up at the beginning. You can't, like, elect to just tank all your saves on your Remembrancer. <laughs> like, they have to be the last thing that takes a save. Unless, you know, it's like Barrage or something. And the Remembrancer must be alive on the board and not falling back at the end of the game in order for them to score any of their campaign points from the picked capture that have not been uploaded. So the picked capture is they use the picter and as long and they use that to create propaganda for the war effort to help inspire more and more people and demoralize the enemy. Um, and so the following campaign points are awarded for each of these events that are witnessed by the remembrancer within line of sight of the model and within 18 inches. And the That's fall sick. of the enemy warlord, three campaign points. Uh, the sweeping advance of a retreating enemy, two campaign points. The death of an enemy character by a duel, or like so in a challenge, one campaign point, and the capture of an objective from the enemy, one campaign point. That's awesome. So okay. it basically, they're narratively they're taking a, an account of what's occurring on the on the on the tabletop, which will then go towards whichever's respective side's propaganda department exactly. and to help promote the war effort. Exactly. And then so because they might die, there is the network upload option. So you can mm-hmm. upload the data to the ships uh, through the picture in the network box. This will effectively save your progress. Uh, mm-hmm. The Remembrancer and any unit they are attached to may not move in the, in the controlling player's movement phase or shoot in the controlling player's shooting phase for that turn. They can still react and charge as per normal, but it does not itself trigger any reactions in those phases. I see. Um, so the action itself does not trigger any reaction. So it's essentially like they hunker down while he tries to upload to the thing. So one example we had was, uh, I think it was Blake. Uh, like he was surrounded and his remembrancer mm-hmm. was in that unit and he knew he was fucking toast. <laughs> um, and he had like five campaign points from the remembrancer banked up. So mm-hmm. he didn't move or shoot with that unit. He uploaded the five so that way he made sure he could get keep those five 
and then when he got wiped, he didn't lose that, right? He got everything. He saved your progress. It's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's, hit, it's hit and save on your on your game essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right? cool. I like that. Yeah, so they could do Dude, that I'm, day one, I'm, day two. Day I might three. I might steal that idea for just a like a local yeah, campaign sure. that we might do. That's so sick. I love that. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everyone liked that. 75 out of 76 uh, had something positive to say about it. Um, one person <laughs> uh, sent an email afterwards and was like, I don't understand how a remembrance could affect the war effort. It's dumb. And it was just kind of like, okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, just look yeah, at any sorry sort of you propaganda. Didn't have fun, man. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, well, I mean, I guess the rebuttal to that would be just look at any sort of war effort that's ever really occurred I mean, throughout history. I mean, we can even look at um, the Battle of Thermopylae, right? The Battle of Thermopylae, it was, by all intents and purposes, a loss by uh, by the, the Greek side. However, even though it was a, yes, it was a tactical loss, it was a strategic win specifically because of the propaganda that, was, that came about as a result of the loss. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be the the easiest example to to show how a remembrancer quote-unquote remembrancer in real life in history has played a huge role into the determination of the morale of uh of a side in 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 a war yeah well exactly i also looked at i also looked at like um it wasn't so much that the remembrancer their acts were what were like them taking the photos of you know, the pics of whatever event was happening. It was, you know, the fact that you've just routed and swept a unit. Um, that was helping the overall. Mm-hmm. And it was just being recorded. That was a record of that monument, that, that moment or uh, moment in time. And and mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, from everyone I spoke to, the Remembrancer, the remembrancer mechanic was loved. Um, I mean, obviously yeah. there was one person who didn't, like I said, that that was an email after the fact. Yeah, yeah, and it was one. So, and, and again, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't mean okay that as it. a slight in any way to that one no, person. No, but I, you're I, also but I think not that that's please a, everybody. So yeah, yeah. I think it's. I, I but would I mean, call it a success. Seventy-five out of seventy-six. You know, I mean, you score that on on the bar. You you're you're good to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, hundred percent. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, you know, so we ran through day one, uh, and the Titans, uh, were busy, uh, doing their Adeptus Titanicus event. Mm-hmm. And so they were pouring campaign points in as well. And so by the end of day one, the traders were actually leading, mm-hmm. uh, by about a, by pretty close to a hundred points. I think it was about 80 points or so. Um, wow. But, so they had a hundred uh, point lead. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just okay. about, yeah. And uh, so when day two started, um, obviously they should be rewarded for that. In mm-hmm. keeping with the theme of Vegas and gambling, uh, they were awarded a gamble that they could take at the beginning of each game. So before initiative or deployment zones or any of that stuff was done, the trader could declare that they either wanted a plus one to their reserve rolls or a plus one to their seize the initiative. Hmm. And so, uh, not a huge, not a huge advantage, right. but a little bit of one and one that's kind of enjoyable. Um, and it's a gamble. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? You'd be like, oh shit, like I really need to go first on this one. Like right. if I want to make this mission work, cause I know this guy's got Imperial fists. So I got to alpha strike him. So I'm going to go right. with 
you know, plus one to my CZ initiative roll, and then maybe you end up going first anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. And then he could seize on you anyway. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, ah, shit, right. like, I wasted it, but whatever, but it's fun because it's a gamble. It's not a big, not a big deal. It's not, not something It's not the sweet. end of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, you know, they got a small boon, and they're ahead of the game. The loyalists mm -hmm. actually came back at the end of day two. Really? And the, yeah, and so the loyalists were actually going into day three with, with the mega battle, they had the advantage so really um, yeah and so now it's like okay you know what we didn't we didn't get our supply lines initially set up but we pushed the lines we pushed them back to their bases and now we mm -hmm. can start bringing in more shit right and so we get to day three and the way i like to do mega battles is usually double tables mm -hmm. uh, and then we ended up with one table that was like an l so it was like a six by eight and then there was a six by four sticking off of it and i was like okay. this is awesome leave that um and the guys played the space in the L just as like a giant mountain or something. So you couldn't mm -hmm. shoot across that open space. You had to walk around. Oh, you um, had to walk around it. Okay. Yeah. And so we were a little uneven uh, traders to loyalists. So there was um, four traders on the L table and two loyalists. And the, the four traders had two Reaver Titans. Uh, and oh, I think the Lord. loyalists had two knights or something. And that was it. Like in terms of <laughs> giant war machines. But right. I was like, I was like, you guys just have to hold out until like lunchtime. Um, <laughs> and they were like, okay, cool, cool. And so uh, the guy who ran the Titanicus event has a big scratch built uh, Imperator Titan. Okay. And uh, and he has the old rules that GW published like 12 years ago or whatever for an Imperator class Titan. And this mm -hmm. thing was massive. Like it stands much higher than a Warlord. Um, it's huge. And uh, and the yeah, guys like at the table, huge, like if you had a uh, like it was almost, estimate. I mean, yeah, fuck, is the size of a toddler, man. Like, it was probably <laughs> it was two was and huge. a half feet tall. <laughs> like, the thing standing on the table was pretty close to my height, and I'm six feet. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, he set it up, and the, all the guys at the table worked together to kind of bring those rules up into, um, you know, second edition heresy that still seemed fair. Right? Uh, right. So, I think they, like, doubled the whole points on it and tweaked a couple things. But it was mm -hmm. like, you know, loyalists and traders worked together on that sheet to make it viable. Right, um, right. And they loved it. They thought it was they thought it was awesome. It was a, a big twist. And uh, and that was their advantage for day three was the Imperator class Titan. And then we set right. up like a 12 by 4 Zone Mortalis board okay. off to the side. And that was like a Mega Zone Mortalis. And that was a ship in orbit. And the guy who brought it, um, he was a Word Bearers player. Mm -hmm. So it was a Word Bearers ship. Uh, so <laughs> Craig and um, uh, another guy from Edmonton, Bill, and Kyle, who brought half the ZM, and a couple of Kyle's buddies. I'm sorry, I forget your name, dudes. Um, uh, they all played on this ship. Mm, right? right. And uh, I had terminals from a guy here in Edmonton that makes up, like, he makes LED light-up terminals. Mm -hmm. And you could interact with the terminals where uh, certain ones you could vent, like, a tile and potentially like vent some of the guys out into space you just vent a tire. Um, yeah and uh <laughs> and then some of them allowed you to shoot orbital bombardments down at the surface so you could pick one of the tables that people were mm -hmm. fighting on and then drop like a nine inch strength 14 ap1 blast kind of like the trailer mm -hmm. like horse does <laughs> um and uh and so like i i know i know a couple people triggered those and so uh craig's team the traders were like up by five or whatever um, right. five victory points they were winning and so the, the loyalists were like let's just fucking purge like every piece of shit on the ship 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so Craig was trying to like hold out with his one Justerian squad while there's like Imperial fists marching down the hall at him, and he's Custodes. trying to find a squad of custodians. <laughs> um, and so I came over around that time, and I go, "Okay, cool. Well, uh, loyalists, like when you're done, like mopping up the scum off the floor, come and see me." Right. Um, right. <laughs> and uh, so they come and see me, and they go, "Hey, so like we beat him," and I was like, "Cool." And you guys like lost on victory points, right? And they're like, "Yeah." And I go, "So you guys have a choice." And they go, well, what's the choice? And I go, you can either scuttle the ship, which will detonate it in orbit, and some of the debris will fall down to the planet, and mm-hmm. every table will take a 9-inch Strength 14 AP1 blast. <laughs> and they said, okay, and what's the other option? And I said, you can crash the ship into the planet. <laughs> and they were like, well, w- what do you mean? And I was like, we'll go up to the top, like you know, right. the front where all the tables are. You can pick mm-hmm. a trajectory, and I will draw a line from your trajectory and it'll cross however many tables it crosses in whatever fucking angle and 12 inches on either side everything in that line will take a strength 14 ap1 hit and every table that doesn't get hit by the line will get hit with a strength 9 ap or like a nine inch blast and they were like (laughs) we should crash this ship they decide to crash the ship right and uh and and I, As I any good heresy player it. should do, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> I, I don't influence it at all. And I go, yeah. okay, like, tell me the trajectory. And they're like, we should go right for this Imperator Titan. And oh, in my Lord. head, I'm like, you know what's on your side, right? <laughs> like, but okay, whatever. Like, I'll, you know, wherever you guys want to crash it. So they crashed it yeah. into the Imperator Titan, which didn't kill it, but took off like five hull points or something off it. Oh, like Lord. it did some damage. And then right. carved a line through and, you know, blew up a bunch of vehicles and killed a few Marines and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And, and then, like, you know, threw pie plates down on the other tables. And, and for the most part, everyone was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, losing their mind about it. Right. Um, yeah. And they were like, this is crazy. And then, It's like that moment um, in, um, on Betrayer, uh, the book Betrayer, when that Gloriana. It's, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a word bearers, um, Gloriana. Yeah, it that, was. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, like yeah. slams um, onto Nasiria and just absolutely just destroys the entire. Well, it doesn't destroy. It causes this massive flood in the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. So same sort of thing, but instead, it didn't hit any water. It just fucking went. It just smashed yeah. into a freaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so you know, um, An Imperator. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. end of the day comes like everybody's like you know they're they're elated. They had a good day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played through their mi- they played through their mission. They on day three they got to choose their each person got to choose their primary objective as well. And so they would typically coordinate even on the mega battle. Yep, yeah. but it mm-hmm. was different primary objectives like stuff that I made up right like engine killer or wingman. Mm-hmm. Um, so like gain a VP for each flyer you remove from play. Got um, it. You know headsman like. For every enemy HQ or Primarch you remove from play, you get a victory point. Mm-hmm. Surgical mm-hmm. strike, so like objective scoring. Uh, mm-hmm. Death or glory, like killing infantry units that you remove from play with your own infantry units. Got uh, it. Cent- Censure of the Ancients, which was like gain mm-hmm. a victory point for every dreadnought you remove. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I don't know, maybe I was just feeling vindictive against you just had a game where you just got yeah, wiped by Fury of the Ancients. So you're like, you know like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna write this one in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, like, uh, you know, it. I, I didn't have any feedback either way on the the mission, so they, they must have been fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but everyone who's playing a mega battle is just there to fucking dick around anyway, right? So, yeah. And yeah. play with the big toys. And, mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And so then you know we got we got to the prize support. Uh, we had two traders that were actually 
vying for the Remembrancers Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, if I may interject really yeah, quick, absolutely. what were the rewards and what yeah. were what a what what was the title of the reward? What was the reward itself, and what were the specifications for that award? Yeah. So. Um, the first one, well, I, I guess as a quick aside, I do like achievements in my games, mm-hmm. like longest mm-hmm. sniper shot, um, you know, like most challenges won in a single game by like a single character, and somebody got nine because oh, he was Lord. like fighting Palantine, like a squad of Palantine Blades, so he just kept like issuing challenges, <laughs> <laughs> like just murdering his way through this squad with his Praetor. Um, right. And uh, so, you know, good for him. <laughs> and... Uh, and then uh, we act- I actually ended up creating one on the fly. Um, I didn't have a good name for it, uh, but um, someone's remembrancer like murdered another remembrancer, uh, <laughs> and that's like the only remembrancer kill for like the entire campaign. So I was like, I you ha- you need a prize, like um, so I gave him like a-, a prize and like just a just like a miniature, like a small miniature that I had um, out of my personal collection. But that's, and, a, like, uh, that's, from, that's so cool. I mean, yes, yes. It was a Victoria yeah. Miniatures miniature, and it worked out because mm-hmm. his remembrancer was a chick, and the miniature mm-hmm. was a chick, and now she's like, she's got a taste for blood. <laughs> she was a traitor <laughs> one, so it really works. Um, right. And uh, and he was an Emperor's Children player. And oh, so then, perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Then, I so read Fulgrim. We, there you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, that was exactly my thought. Um, uh-huh. And so uh, we had the Scourge of Rio Prime, which is like best trader, right? So you just kind of vote mm-hmm. like if you're a trader, like you know maybe somebody was really helpful to you, or like you just thought was awesome, or love their army and and like the theme they were going for, or you just love their mm-hmm. energy, or I don't know whatever, right? So you vote for them, right? And then on the loyalist side, you're like fuck, you know what, like this guy was cool or my buddy played against him and he said he was awesome and a super cool guy. I'm going to vote for him too. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so, you the so you, you basically got two votes, one for your side yeah. and one for the other yeah, side as well. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, it's not just best sportsman towards your opponent. Like you've got to be a cool dude. Like all day Makes sense. or do that. Um, Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so then there's the savior of Rio prime, which is the loyalist equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can't remember who we gave the scourge of rio prime to i'd have to check but savior of rio prime went to colton uh the guy mm-hmm. with the suzerains uh who mm-hmm. all died to a man in a previous campaign so <laughs> they they he didn't bring him to elio um and then uh uh and then we had like best in show um which i'm going to change the name to probably like you know exemplar of the parade or something mm-hmm. um and uh so best in show uh, is yeah best painted kind of like oh, best, best painted, painted yeah. but it's not exclusively painting right like you might be like man this like i love all the conversions or i love the theme that this guy's mm. like painting with his miniatures on the table like whatever right it's not exclusively because right. like i don't believe in painting like in judging the paint jobs of other people mm-hmm. um i think it should be like some kind of a vote because all of it is art and art is subjective so who am Correct. I to say that, you know, I like your army is better than everyone else's? Because then you're going to mm-hmm. get a bunch of people that are painting to what they think my preference is. Right, right. right? And then mm-hmm. that removes their creative ability or their creative opportunity or whatever, right? So it's just something that well, I... To express I, themselves in yeah, the yeah. way that so, they want to and yeah. how they want to and how they want to you know, show, show their army yeah. and how they want to portray it. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's my philosophy on the matter. Um, and I know it gets done other ways. Like I did the paint judging for the tag teams last year at Adepticon with mm-hmm. JP from the Edge of Darkness. 
right? And that was like a very mechanical scoring. Like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, you got to do this and then this, and then there's like an additional notes for additional scores. Um, and so, you know, I've done it, but whatever. Um, and uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he had a custodian army and it was really good. And he, he just squeaked out um, an Imperial Fists, mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, by Bill. And he just squeaked out um, Joel Ivey's um, Night Lords, which I'm sure you've seen posted around because he pumped out 3,000 of those bad boys <laughs> in three weeks. Uh, oh, Lord. Yeah, but it looks so yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and, like, yeah, Joel's army, like, killed it. But mm -hmm. uh, this custodian army was very well done as well. Um, so it deserved to win, but it was a close race. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they, they all got prizes. And then uh, Christian Coombs um, ended up winning our best overall. Um, I did give a runner-up prize to Noah uh, for the Remembrancers Achievement Award, which is mm -hmm. kind of a Venn diagram of all the things of the day, right? So, right, right. like, you know, how many campaign points did you get overall? How many of those campaign points came from the Remembrancer, which is the narrative mechanic? Um, hmm. You know, uh, did you get any and, votes it, for Best Painted? Did you get mm -hmm. any votes for your, like, Scourge or Savior of Rio Prime and how many of them? And it was a very tight race between uh, Christian and um, Noah. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Christian had a few more campaign points from the Remembrancer. And uh, I think he had a couple more campaign points overall. But mm -hmm. like 80% of his campaign points came from the Remembrancer. Um, I like how there's a separation between, okay, you get campaign points, but it's not just overall it's well who, where did they come from your army yep. or did they come from the remembrancer and i like how you made that distinguishing factor i really like that yeah and then but also you had to have votes for best painted and you had to have votes for um i shouldn't say best painted but for like best in show mm -hmm. uh, or votes for like scourge or savior and so Makes how many sense. of those extra votes either make up for your deficiency in mm -hmm. terms of points or accelerate you through the tie. Right, right. And so, you know, Noah got to come up and get a prize because it was a very, very close race. And so I was like, I don't feel right not giving you something. So come mm -hmm. on up. And uh, and then we did the Remembrancer's Lifetime Achievement Award. And so Christian's coming up. And this was probably my highlight for the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, he's coming up to pick a prize off the table. And I go, well, hang on, man. Like, you know, this is a very special award. Um, and, and so you don't get to choose a prize. I was like, you get a very special prize in exchange for this very prestigious award. So mm -hmm. I have one very prestigious Horus Ascended for you. And so mm -hmm. GW had given us a Horus Ascended, so he mm -hmm. handed that to Christian, and I swear it was like I gave a kid a fucking N64. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it was awesome, man. Like, he had the yeah. thing built by the day he got home. Oh jeez. Um, yeah, he's, and he's already painted. He's on the plane, head. you know, yeah, putting yeah. that thing together. Yeah, yep, and yep. so now he's doing a whole sons of horse army, but he sent me a whip and it's looking it's looking smooth, man. It's it's spicy. He's gonna do a nice job on it. Yeah, and, and oh, I mean yeah. he had he had a few votes for best in show as well as Emperor's children were pretty um and we had a few people who actually painted their remembrancers like between the Friday and Saturday. So between getting them Friday and then showing up for game Saturday. Oh they, shoot! So I, they're literally in their hotel people, room. Like, yeah, we had at least three paint people on slap and paint sick. on their remembrance during the hotel room. And I was like, <laughs> "Damn, cool dude! That? Like, hell yeah! Like, <laughs> I should think up an award for you." Um, <laughs> and then we just did door prizes for the rest of the stuff. Uh, right, right. Yeah, and and that was the the wrap on the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, so it all all came out, and that's that's the kind of 
thing that we do for that. But now I know because of the actions of this campaign, mm-hmm. I know where the story's going to go and where to jump off from on the next. So what you're going to be doing is that you're basically getting from LVO 2021. You built on that to mm-hmm. forge the narrative for LVO Sorry, 2022. 2022, right? No, and there then was no, there wasn't one in oh, 2021. So I took over in 2022. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That. I'm sorry. Yeah. 2022 to go into 2023. What, what yeah. year are we in? I don't know, we're, man. We're in 2023. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll go we're, into 2024 then, with that. The, the uh, narrative assuming is Assuming FLG that... still wants me to do it in 2024. Right. Right. I mean, well, it sounds like a blast because again, it's so narrative. It's it, you, it sounds like everyone was having a like a ton of fun. And again, going back to what you were saying, I mean, I don't see why would they wouldn't because I mean, what, if you had how many people? What 70, 76, 76 people 76. attend the event, and seventy five of them were like, "Oh, dude, this is so freaking cool." You know, with one person that just had a, um, I guess like a, hey, you know, I didn't, I didn't really care for this one aspect. Okay, that's fine. But the thing is, is that you had such a, a, a great buy-in to the event and, and really helped tell and sell that narrative, not just through yourself, but again, disseminating that information, right? That, that narrative, the overall narrative, and then having that narrative be then forged by the participants in order to create this uh, uh, such a awesome it just sounds cool it just everything that you're saying about it and, and again every single day forging that narrative and then there's that there's the the micro narrative that's occurring um you, you know while the ma- well the macro narrative is, is going on you know traders win you know or get the advantage on day one you know and then the loyalists push back on day two and and there's remembrancers involved there's all sorts of components that help sell the realism and help you get immersed into that setting so i really like how there's that again the the the, the push for, and the, the for the narrative and then that narrative that you developed that was developed in 2022 expounded upon in 2023 and is going to be even further pushed in 2024 it, it, it's it's this it's this running almost like inside like insiders you know like joke between the the 30k players like okay you know like you know when you have an inside joke with your buddies and stuff you know yep. it's almost that same concept of like hey man you know hey remember back in 2022 when xyz happened which then affected it you know the next year which then affected the next year after that you know and it, it compounds on each other and you almost develop this this um this sense of community that it's built around this narrative that you developed. And I think that's really awesome. Um, so dude, I, I mean, I have to applaud you for that. That's so cool. I think that that's, um, that that's a good starting, uh, not a starting point. That's a good, I guess, template um, for other narrative players who may be listening to this podcast right now um, of what, you know, a direction, um, that they might want to go for their um, for their local campaigns with their commu- with their respective communities to see if they you know they hey I really like this aspect that Alex pulled um, or talked about about the remembrancers or maybe the campaign points or the uh, um, speci- legion specific um, uh, secondaries some whatever it was that you were talking about right so maybe something that sparked their their imagination when then they can then grab from that and then help expound upon their local scene 
or expound upon the campaigns and the narrative with their local scenes. I really like that. Yeah, so I, I appreciate that. I couldn't have done it without Craig. Like Craig was a massive mm -hmm. help, especially because I'm dealing with like it's getting mm -hmm. better now, but I, I had like Achilles tendonitis, and I was just like fucking debilitated for half the time. <laughs> I was a gopher <laughs> walking around too much. <laughs> so I was like, Craig, go do this, go, go do this please. Um, I'm hey, gonna die. I need protein. The career of knowledge. Let's go. Yeah, hey guys, exactly. But I got I got yeah, a bail. I, I know we I know we got to wrap it up. We're gonna we're gonna put a bow on this right now, man. Um, so so uh, Dan, hopefully one... hopefully you come out. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay. I I know what you're gonna ask. Uh, we can talk about it another time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, no. If you yeah. I, I just I gotta quietly go. If you guys want to continue talking, I just gotta leave the deck for a few minutes or for a little bit. Okay. All right. Keep the recording going because uh, I don't know if mine's working. Um, and then we'll wrap up. And if you come back in like ten minutes. Okay. We'll all be, you can cut the recording and we'll be good. Sounds okay. good? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks, Craig. Um, yeah, sorry. So go ahead, yeah. ask your question. Yeah, absolutely. So there's one thing that I did want to ask you guys. So obviously everything that, you know, we've talked about up until this point in this entire podcast was very much surrounded around the narrative. And one thing that I, I, again, I asked you kind of prior and really what kind of sparked this whole podcast in the first place was... I know that there was a um, there was a photo that went around um, that I believe was on Reddit, and it was it, it showed a a photo of um, a, a very I would say non narrative um, uh, list two lists that were very very optimized. I would say yeah they're very optimized lists that you know that that didn't run I guess it it. it there were there was some questions that went out about that, like, well, what was going on at LVO itself? So, what? I, and I know there's some sort of um, just you know, I mean, I didn't yeah. know because I wasn't there. So why yeah. why don't you kind of explain that? Yeah, and so, um, uh, and so yeah, yeah. at some point because uh, we did do a small competitive tournament on the Sunday at, at mm -hmm. player request, um, wasn't very large. We had six players. Mm -hmm. uh and you know they they wanted to do like a no holds barred like let's see how nasty we can get with each other and mm -hmm. you know top dog comes out of the pile with the bone and uh so you know we said okay we can do that like we can run that on the same day as the mega battle and then you know we're not not chewing into resources um mm -hmm. and and folks can try that mm -hmm. um you know and uh so uh, the, the picture that was going around was a uh, Fury of the Ancients list with like three Daredeos versus a, a drop pod list um, of Dark Angels. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, bo uh, the, the Fury of the Ancients player had actually played the first two days of the narrative with a Death Guard list. So he didn't, mm. he only played that list on the third day. Uh, and it wasn't mm. in the Mega Battle, it was exclusively in that. Um, but at some point, so the photo it was like got a separate shared. event. Yeah, it was a totally um, separate event that had no correlation or no connection. Exactly. Really but someone had the, someone mm. got the picture and they believed it was part of the narrative event and immediately mm -hmm. went to the internet to decry it or the event or something like that. I'm I'm mm. not sure which. Well, I mean, um, it, I mean, because LVO uh, had traditionally, even mm. in Heresy, had the the um, the uh perception brand, maybe? yes perception thank you that's mm -hmm. exactly what i was looking for that it's a more competitive focused thing um, right right and for 40k and kill team and age of sigmar 100 percent. right um right. and those systems are you know they're a little more built for that kind of play yeah um yeah. kill team's a lot of fun it's a very very fair game um and it seems 
pretty balanced. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and a couple buddies play it almost every Sunday because it's a freaking blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could easily heresyify it. We did like a whole <laughs> episode on how to heresyify it, but right. um, it's it's a freaking it's a great game. But mm-hmm. if you want to go down that route, there's uh, there's spots for that. But if you want to mm-hmm. play in something like we just talked about, there is a spot for that too. But those guys didn't play those lists in that event. Mm-hmm. They played and- to the spirit of the events that they they showed up for and brought appropriate lists. And and I, one one thing that I kind of want to point out, I mean, as someone who didn't go to LVO myself, I mean, that's easily something that could be misconstrued or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, something gets posted online and whatever it is. And, you know, if that person isn't there and that's the only thing that they see from the event, right? Um, it, it's it's not, not to say that that's, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound... Um, what's the word harsh or negative right it's just mm-hmm. because the thing is is that you know we weren't there right i wasn't mm-hmm. there and so you know when i saw that photo i was like hmm, yeah. like that yeah, it's doesn't e- easy to get swept up yeah um, well not not just well swept up too but it can easily be what's the right word i'm looking for um i mean if you're not there and you, that's all you see then it's like okay that's going to immediately color your perception yep. not to say that you know um you know, it was done nefariously. I don't think that yeah, or anything yeah. and, in the and case. No, and it, it 100% yeah. was not. Yeah, like, it was just a misunderstanding that mm-hmm, unfortunately mm-hmm. got out of control and, and um, you know, uh, not not quite the capstone I was looking for for the event. But yeah. I think I think everything we just talked about, like, right. really highlights, you know, the positive and, mm-hmm. and the, the community that, that we're building. And, I mean, we've already had, like, 10 new members to the LVO Heresy Facebook group. Awesome. Um, so, awesome. So word spreading people are excited. Like if you could make it to both next year, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I think you'll have an absolute class and, and Vegas is a pretty cool city too. Um, <laughs> but uh, Dan, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we, you can catch Dan either at the iterators podcast, listen to him on wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can also get in contact with him for commission work at oil spill painting studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, you know, our usual folks go check out Craig at dust of a thousand worlds. He changed his handle. Um, and, uh, you can catch me either at the DAB podcast. Well, Craig's there too. Uh, but also Crescent edge creative. Um, I'm learning how to take good pictures <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Tuesday. So I've got some cool shit to actually start posting. Like I've got some winter Kazarkin fire you a picture of that in the Instagram. Actually, I think you'll like that. Nice. Um, and, uh, and, and then I've got a few more conversions in the Mechanicum and stuff will be going up there as well. Uh, and then check out little legend studio, um, both his blog, littlelegendstudio.com, as well as, uh, his at on Instagram, which is just at little legend studio and Matt Kane at broken arrow 2000 and Metters miniatures. Um, and then, uh, don't forget to check out, uh, all the people that were nice enough to sponsor us for LVO, including battle bling, uh, versatile terrain, uh, legend studio again, um, frontline gaming. Uh, we actually got a huge army painter set, uh, from, uh, I think they gave it to FLG and then FLG gave it to us. And of course, games workshop who gave us tons of prize support, like almost, almost $850 Canadian. Um, yeah, like massive support. Um, really nice of them. Uh, and it it shows that they want to support stuff like narrative heresy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, huge excitement for that. And then of course you can get at us uh, if you want to email us at the death and betrayal um, at oh my god, you can email us at 
deathandbetrayal at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash DAB podcast, or on Instagram at the DAB podcast. Uh, and with that, thanks so much again, Dan, for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having and, me. Yeah, always. And uh, anytime you just want to come on and talk shit, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, keep those Geller fields up. Take care. Oh, look at that. He came in just back on. I know. Just that. I put my headphones on his knees over to the computer desk. I put my headphones back on and I could hear you listing off all like the uh, emails. I'm like, fuck, I made it just in time for the end. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. That's right, sick. Cool. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys.